hearts, our minds. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord, today. Because you care for me in such a special way. That's why I praise you. I lift you up. I magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord, today. Because you care for me. In such a special way, that's why I praise you. I lift you up, I magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. You know, we can just sing and make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Let them know how we feel about him. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we can rejoice and be glad in it. We ought to just love the Lord, you know, and just talk with him and just let him know how we feel about him. Let him know that he's special in our lives. Not just someone to ask things from, but the fact that we love him just as much as he loves us. That's why my heart is filled with praise. My heart, my mind, my soul belongs to you. You paid the price for me way back on Calvary. That's why I praise you. I lift you up. I magnify your name. Cornerstone Apostolic Church located at 524 East Pasadena Street in the city of Pomona. We thank you for joining in with us and listening to Inside the Pages, our comprehensive Bible study as we journey through the book of Ezekiel and on Sundays we're journeying through the book of Acts. We believe the Bible is the word of God, therefore we are faithful, bold, the church. We believe the best way to face opposition is by obedience to the word of God in Jesus' name. We certainly believe that there is none like the Lord. There's nobody like him. If you've missed any part of the messages, you can visit ConnectingTruth.org and just click God on Demand. We've been fasting and praying since the beginning of the year, and we're continuing to fast and to pray and to seek God and to just love Him for who He is. Again, I want to encourage you to join in with us as we praise Him, as we worship Him, and as we sing unto Him, glorifying His Word, His name, 
fast and pray and see God with us. Consecrate unto the Lord. Set aside a day that's reserved just for him. Bless you, Lord. None like you, Lord. None like you. Certainly we thank and praise God for his goodness. We thank God for his grace today, for what he is doing. Thank God for what he is going to do. I hope that you have the same expectations that God is going to work on your behalf. I want to direct your attention to the book of Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter. While you're turning there, just want to remind you, our Bible class begins at 7 p.m. on Tuesdays. And certainly it begins with the most important thing that there is, and that is prayer. The Bible said man should always pray and not faint. You know, it's good to arrive early before service and just spend time in the presence of the Lord. Whether it's here in the sanctuary or at home, you know, or just... Maybe you're driving down the street, you're at work, and there's no one in the car with you. That's a good time to just talk to the Lord and just worship and just have some quality time. Uh, quality time is important, as we know, uh, whether it's in, uh, with our family. And, you know, the church began with a family. Uh, and uh, quality time uh, with the Lord himself, uh, quality time, just quiet time that you're talking to the Lord and certainly listening for him to talk with you. Our Sunday morning worship begins at 8 a.m. Uh, with prayer and both services uh, uh, exceed, you know, we, we come with expectations. So your prayer and uh, your attendance to service and uh, in respective places, let it be exceeded with expectations of what God is going to do. It's important to to know because he's God, he's sovereign, you know, there should be expectations. If we go to God without expectations, we are insulting him and doing ourselves a great injustice. The book of Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter, verses one through five, it says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, will you judge her? Will you judge this city of bloodshed? Then confront her with all her detestable practices and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It's important to know what the Lord is saying about you. It's important to know and understand what the Lord is saying. He goes on to tell him to confront the city, tell them that the Lord has noticed and he has made note, he has taken this personally. You city that bring on herself doom by shedding blood in the midst and defile herself by making idols. You have become guilty because of the blood you have shed and have become defiled by idols you have made. You have brought your days to a close and the end of your years have come. Therefore, I will make you an object of scorn to the nations and laughing stock to all the countries. Those who are near and those who are far away will mock you, you infamous city full of turmoil. You know, again, Ezekiel, the very difficult task is moving forward to do and to set things in order. You know, they said preparation precedes a blessing and that's exactly what's going on. It may seem as though that, that God is, is, has shown Ezekiel this vision 
and has told him you need to be very demonstrative to get the message across and you're going to be audible and I'm going to set your face as hard against theirs as, as, as rebellion or as rebellious as these people are, I'm going to make you even stronger so that you can carry this out. So that lets us know that the, the task was very difficult, but someone had to do it. And God called upon Ezekiel, this priest that thought maybe his duties was just going to be going into the temple and offering up sacrifices at the appointed time, uh, that now he has to deal with the people that are in, um, uh, in distress because of their disobedience. And that's something that, that people don't like to talk about is disobedience, but we know as children and, and you know, that sometime when we don't do something that we know to do is right, that is called a transgression. That is something that, uh, that we cannot get away from. And so the Lord says, and, and so let's take that as a topic that uh, this is what the Lord has to say. And, and he has to say every action for every action, there is a reaction. You know, Newton's third law is for every action, there is an equal or opposite reaction statement. That means in every there's an interaction that's going to go on because of something that you have done. And so it focuses on the two objects. And in this case, the object is you and the word of God. Uh, and so we need to understand that we are not equal to the word of God. Uh, we can pray and we can be obedient. We can read the word of God as we should. And the word of God abide in us. And it causes us to line up with his will. And it causes us to measure up to, uh, to the statue of the man Christ Jesus, Ephesians. Uh, and so we are dealing with uh, the fact that there are forces at work. We're not even uh, looking at the uh, at uh, who causes us to do anything, but just the the mere fact that we ourselves, we are in control of what we do or do not do. Now, Mr. Uh, Newton was, uh, I don't know, the Bible, uh, I, I've never heard no one talk about him in this way, but I don't know if he was a practicing Christian. You know, there are many uh, people that claim to be Christians uh, but are you practicing Christianity? The reason that they were called Christians uh, in Antioch was because they saw the characteristics of Jesus Christ. Does anyone see the characteristics of Christ in you? Now, the Bible says that he's coming back for uh, Jude. I believe it was Jude said he's coming back for 10,000 uh, of his saints. Uh, so uh, I don't read where he's coming back for any of the Christians, but he's coming back for uh, 10,000 of the saints, uh, the saints, uh, there's references of believers, uh, followers and uh, saints uh, in the Bible that the Lord, uh, those that believe uh, in uh, the spirit of God uh, references prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, you know, uh, and, and so when we use certain words and terminologies, uh, we can try to justify it, but let's stick with what the word of God is saying. And so it places a responsibility upon us to uh, conduct ourselves a certain way. I don't know if Mr. Newton was conducting himself in any way uh, that, um, that associates him with the cause for Christ. But one thing, one thing for sure is that he made a proper observation, and that is uh, actions um, uh, have a reaction. The Bible tells us over in James, the third chapter, uh, verse 15 through 17, it says the wisdom, that wisdom uh, descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where uh, envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is pure. Uh, then it's peaceable, it's gentle, and easy to be entreated. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's what heavenly wisdom possesses. Earthly wisdom 
uh, is considered to be sensual and devilish. There is, so there is some wisdom, there is some street smart, so to speak, or some things that we learn in school, some observations that we've made that um, is considered wise, but how, does, how do we use it? How is it being worked with? Uh, this wisdom and knowledge that one can get uh, that's immediately accessible at, uh, that we can get our hands on uh, is going to also have an action and a reaction depending on what we do with it. Some feel that they have enough, so much more that they can outsmart God. Some people feel that the, the smarts that they have, the wisdom that they have, you know, Israel felt that way. They felt that they could hide from God. They felt that they can uh, hide in uh, closed quarters and do whatever they wanted to do. And God did not see them. They didn't consider the fact that the eyes of the Lord go to and fro through all the earth, beholding the good and the evil. They didn't think about that. They only thought about the moment and the gratification that they were getting. And so, uh, as like so many others, they felt that they could outsmart God. You know, there are people today that feel that they can outsmart God. They can. They are smarter than the angelic beings. They are smarter than Lucifer and all the fallen ones. You know, there are movies, there are books, there are stories and different things about how people have outsmarted the devil. Uh, but I just here to tell you that that's impossible. You know, uh, you, you're 17, you're 23 or 25 years old. You know, uh, you know, 35, just about the time that that a, a guy starts to really mature. Uh, but God is eternal uh, and Lucifer was created by God. Uh, so let's see. Uh, the Bible says, behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. Uh, there is no secret that uh, they can hide from thee. So whatever trickery that people try and think they're doing uh, to get away with something and to get one over is going to eventually backfire. With thy wisdom and with thy understanding, thou hast gotten riches and thou hast gotten gold and, and, and silver into thy treasure uh, by thy great wisdom and by the traffic thou hast increased thy riches and thy heart is filled up because of thy riches. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, God is speaking, uh, because thou hast set thy heart as the heart of God. In other words, you thought that because you gained a few things, you got a, you stacked a little cheese, you know, you got over on somebody, you know, and that, that you didn't, that you got it made, that you just smarter than God. And, and you know, when we look at that particular verse, it, it takes, it takes my mind back over to how the Jesus was led into the wilderness and the enemy came and tempted him with those same riches that he uh, was able to traffic and to get. Uh, however, uh, heaven, uh, the earth is the Lord's, uh, heaven is his footstool. You know, what can, what can you offer God? that he doesn't already, the cattle on a thousand hill belong to him. And, and so uh, there's nobody greater. However, the enemy is pride and what was found in him uh, caused him to think that he was better than God. Now, here it is, an angelic being that was created by God that have all of this, that had all of this going on and you, you're 17 year old, 23, 35 years old, uh, you know, <coughs> whatever age that you are and you know and I stop with that 35 because by the time you're 35 you should be maturing in such a way that you're not making the same mistakes and doing foolish things that you did before and you know and by the time you get your 40s and 50s you're really considered an old fool when you start doing or repeating those things that was done or that you did in your younger years and so when you start thinking that you can out outthink God, you can outthink any uh, anything. Uh, you're just fooling yourself. And so the Bible tells us over in Luke, the tenth chapter and the eighteenth verse. Uh, it says, "And he said unto them, Be I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. His actions, the actions of Lucifer, the actions of Satan." Uh, caused a reaction, and that reaction was a great fall from the presence of the Lord. The Bible goes on to tell us in Revelation, the 12th chapter, 7 through 9, it says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the, that dragon, the dragon, fought 
and his angels and prevailed not. Uh, Satan tried to fight against uh, the angel of God, Michael, an archangel, and he was not able to prevail against him. He was not able to do and to overcome him. Neither was uh, the angels that was accompanying him able to, uh, to have victory over Michael. Now, Satan could not have victory. This old dragon, Lucifer, whatever you want to refer to him in, in one of those terms, was not able to overcome one of God's strong angels. So why do people worship him? Well, I guess I'm kind of answering my own question. People worship things made of wood that they carved out with their own hand. People worship a rock. People worship metal and, uh, and, and, uh, and different things that they have found. People see an egg and, and somebody and claim that, oh, that's the face of Jesus on an egg or a piece of wood or a piece of toast. And so now you have a thousand people gathering around or, you know, it's trending on uh, on social media because somebody thought they saw uh, uh, the face of something and it was just a mirage. It was just something, a, a deception in their own mind. There was no Polaroid cameras. Uh, there was no uh, uh, snapshots of, of Jesus Christ. And the image that is painted of the Lord said that, in uh, Revelation said that he had curly hair. Uh, so we're not going to go there tonight. However, I just want to say that we need to be careful in our thoughts and our actions and what we do. And we need to remind others, as the Lord is reminding Israel, uh, that every action has a reaction. The Bible tells us over in Jude, the sixth chapter, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he have reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. The word of the Lord came unto me. Who did it come to? Ezekiel. And the Lord addressed him specifically. Son of man, will you judge her? You Don't judge me. I can hear them saying, don't judge me. Don't talk to me that way. Now, we don't know the, the approach that Ezekiel had was whatever and however God told him to approach the people. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly uh, his particular characteristics except the fact that he feared God. How about you? Do you fear the Lord? The Lord had to condition Ezekiel and work with his mindset just like he had to work with Jeremiah, the Lord told Jeremiah, don't, don't be afraid of their faces. When you look out there and you see them not smiling at you when, you, when you have to speak and tell them about their situations and, and where they are, then, you know, because you're not preaching a message about, about uh, getting a, a new house or getting a car or any of those things, but we're talking about our characteristics in the presence of God. We're talking about our characteristic when we're not in the, uh, the local assembly. We're talking about how we are when we're by ourselves and there's no one else around us, just me, myself, and I. How am I? What am I doing? Am I pleasing unto the Lord? Or do I go to church and when I leave out of this, the sanctuary and, you know, and no one else is around me, do I become a fiend? Do I become something different? Who am I? Am I a child of God or not? Am I a son of God? Am I a daughter of Zion? Who am I? What am I? What am I about? Am I about this life? The Lord told uh, when the apostles had were threatened and was thrown in jail. Uh, the Bible tells us that the Lord had, uh, had uh, sent a messenger, uh, sent one of his servants to uh, an angel of the Lord, opened the door up and told them, gave them instructions, said, go into the temple and, and so they, they were freed from the, from the jail. They went, uh, got that night rest. And the next day they were in the temple and the message was for them to talk about this life. Are you about this life? It, you know, our lively, our demonstration and what we do and how we act should say, yes, I'm about this life. It should not just be the words that we speak. It should not just be the clothes that we wear. 
it should not just be the, the outer appearance. You know, the Pharisees had that. They had the outer appearance. They looked very religious. And, you know, they, they could show a lot of us up and, and how they dressed and how they posed themselves and how they walked through the marketplace. You know, but how, what kind of life do we live? What's going on the inside? Because what the Bible said, what, what's on the inside and how it comes out is going to tell on us. It's truly going to confess who we are and what we're about. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, will you judge her? Will you judge this city of bloodshed? That's what the Lord called Israel, a city of bloodshed. Uh, then confront her with uh, her detestables. In other words, identify those things. Let them know exactly of what they have been practicing, what they have been doing, and let them know that it's me talking, not you. Preacher is not you. Evangelist is not you. When you are led of the spirit of the Lord, you know, sometimes people get up and they, they look at things or they, they might have heard something said. God has a lot of ways of identifying things, but God also uses his wisdom and how to how like how to take the clay, how to work with the clay and how to bring it into a vessel, becoming a vessel of honor. God doesn't scar the clay. He doesn't uh, smash it down and mess it all up and then leave it without shaping it into being something valuable. And, and so the Lord said to, uh, to Ezekiel, he said that their city, their city of doom because they have shed blood in the midst of them. You know, Israel had, had become contained and uh, contaminated and they were doing things that God was, uh, did not appreciate. In other words, they were they saw other people sacrificing their children. They began to do that. They saw other people worshiping idols. They began to do that. They saw other people living presumptuously. They began to do that. They saw other people partaking in things that were contrary to the word of God. And what happened? They began to do that. And so they were guilty because of their blood that they shed. And because they had defiled, become defiled themselves. The things that we do can defile us. The things that we allow to go into our spirit will defile us. And so we have to reject those things. We have to push those things aside. We have to come to a point in our lives where we say, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm tired of that. You know, I, I want to get on my knees and pray and seek God without always, without asking forgiveness of the same thing over and over and over again. So therefore, it is my responsibility, it is your responsibility to put forth the effort to say, no, not today. We Today, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm not going there today. I'm not doing that today. I'm going to fight against it. I'm going to get the help that I need. The Bible says that if you're sick, call for a physician, call for a doctor. If you have a problem that you can't overcome, get some help. The Bible talks about that there are spiritual help. You know, I was driving down the street and I was just thinking about how great God is and how powerful God is that, you know, I remember going into a service and, uh, you know, and uh, I remember the testimony where someone wandered in off the street. They, they came in, they heard the church uh, uh, giving praise and honoring to the Lord. They heard the music going on and they were drawn in, even though they were intoxicated, they were drawn in and they found themselves sober. One man said, what did you do to me? Because they became sober. They high went down. Their drunkenness was gone and they were sober. You know, that's the power of God. That's not the power of man. That's not the power of it. That is the power of God. And, and so uh, the, the, when we live that consecrated, that quality, that life that is unto the Lord, those things emanate from us because we are his and that characteristics abide in us and we don't have to call upon it. It just shows up and shows out on its own. And we see the impact and the effects of it. He said that they are guilty because of the because they had defiled themselves and they brought uh, this day, this closure up on themselves. You know, someone asked me today, they said uh, they said they said, Carl, what's going on? What's going on with our community? What's going on with, you know, they're looking at the, the young man that was jogging uh, down in, in uh, one of the cities in Atlanta and uh, uh, 
Georgia and, and there he's jogging and, and a truck is following him, video recording him. And then two guys got out of another truck that was ahead of the one doing the recording and called themselves making a citizen's arrest and pulled out a shotgun and uh, shot the man talking about that he was uh, uh, that there's been a series of crimes and burglaries uh, in, in the area. And so they were making a citizen's arrest. Well, citizen's arrest does not allow you to shoot an unarmed man. What's happening? The Bible said uh, that the love of many would wax cold, but God's grace would yet abound. That's why we have to make sure that we're right and in a position because you never know when the enemy is going to attack you for being righteous. Whether it is sickness or anything, the Bible said, blessed is those that die in the Lord. We know it's sad. We know that it's not something we look for to, to happen to any of us. However, we want to be and make sure that you are in the position with God, that you are pleasing in his sight, that if anything should occur in your life, that you are standing before God in peace. I don't know nothing about the young man. I'm just saying that the enemy is shrewd. The devil is a, a like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And this young man was jogging, uh, had on short pants, running down the street in a T-shirt, just jogging through a certain neighborhood, and they killed him. You know, the devil is a destroyer. And so I was being asked, what's going on? What is happening? What's happening that, you know, that even in this time where around the world we're dealing with this global pandemic, uh, what's happening? Well, the wisdom of man create viruses. The wisdom of man create uh, wicked devices and bring those things to pass. And when those things occur, we deal with that experience. Don't misunderstand and don't be fooled by the talk of people or the enemy that God is not yet in control. He is in control of it all. God understands and sees what's happening. And that's why we should give God praise even more. Even right now to, to uh, be praying and just thanking God that we are aware of his presence, even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of what the, of things just uh, seeming so chaotic. And uh, there's so much confusion and so much, uh, so many mixed emotions. But yet we can say thank you unto the Lord because we know who has control of it all. We know who whose we are. It's important to know whose you are. The children of Israel only wanted to enjoy the moment. The thought of what could happen or uh, could be summed up with these words. I got this. You, you ever hear somebody say, I got this? You know, you're trying to tell them, no, don't do that. I, I got this. Uh, you know, hey, don't go out with that person. You know, that's that bad news. I got this. You know, hey, maybe you ought to bag off that Mountain Dew. No, I got this. You know, and, and, you know, let go of uh, that thing, you know, whatever they're trying to warn you about. And, and they people are constantly telling, you know, I, I got this. This really uh, emphasizes the difference between fear. It emphasizes the difference between love and being in love. You know, fear. Uh, I don't want to be yelled at, you know, chastening. Uh, we understand that the Bible tells us that that certain things soon harden the heart. But being in love softens the element and causes a person to think about their actions and reaction it will cause. The children of Israel did not think about the actions and the reaction that it was going to cause, that their guilt that they are now experiencing because of their idol worshiper, idol worshiping and moving toward the detestable things that God said to separate from was causing an action. You know, uh, if they would have thought about, if they would have just been in love with God, not in love with the things that God has provided them, but in love with him, it would have removed excuses it would have uh, pre made preventive measures uh, because they were in love. You know, there are preventive measures embedded within love. You know, when you're in love, you know, I, I, the commercial used to say, in, when you're in love, the whole world is delicious, you know, that restaurant. And, and so uh, you don't want to say uh, anything or do anything that's going to uh, misplace where you are. 
It simply says that when I'm in love that I don't want to do nothing to hurt them. I don't want to do nothing to hurt my family. I don't want to do nothing to hurt my, my spouse. I don't want to do nothing to hurt uh, any anybody because I'm in love. And that makes a difference. Matter of fact, uh, love covers a multitude of faults. So it, it, had, they loved, uh, had they loved the Lord, it would have covered a multitude of faults. It would have caused the impact of things to, uh, to come down to a certain level rather than uh, escalating to where they were escalating to. Uh, and so, you know, as an attractive and, and as a single male, thank you, uh, but I, I'm, I'm talking about Joseph here, as an attractive and a single male, uh, you know, uh, he could have caved in to what was going on in his life. The other brothers that was down in Egypt did. Apparently, some of them that was serving Potiphar's wife gave in to the temptation. They gave in to her. She was, she was I'm just going to say it like this, she was nasty. And, and so they gave in to her, uh, to the temptation and to the things that she was asking them to do. Now, I want to put a clause here, uh, you know, that, that, um, that if you get caught up into something, you need to understand that you are not a superstar. So therefore, you do not uh, have the same privileges as the NBA player, the NFL player, or the MLB player. You don't get those same privileges of going to work, getting time off, still getting that seven-figure contract, and not doing any jail time. I have to put that clause there. So you need to learn to do some things, and that is to recognize responsibility. Recognize responsibility like Joseph did, and don't do it. Think about it. Joseph said, I cannot do this. I cannot do such a thing against my God. I recognize that what you're asking me to do is sin, and I don't want to sin against my God because I love him. I love him. Now, that doesn't mean that people haven't made mistakes. It doesn't mean that any of us are perfect by any means. It means that I've learned enough and I've come to a realization in, in my life. Uh, I've come to a place that I understand that it's better for me not to do that. The feeling of, that I may be having at that moment will pass. You'll get over it. And after a while, it's easier to get over and to not do some things. You don't miss it. And, but you have to first start somewhere, and that is, you know, I recognize that that's wrong, and I cannot continue to do that. If I've done it before, I'm asking God to forgive me, and I'm not going to do it. If I've done anything uh, that I haven't asked forgiveness for, you know, that's what I love about Daniel. Daniel would pray, and he would ask God for forgiveness, even though he did not do the sin, even though he didn't do that what was wrong, he would yet include himself in his supplication of Lord, uh, I did you wrong. The nation have done you wrong. Lord, forgive us of what we have done. Joseph recognized Potiphar's wife wanted something that was wicked, wanted something that was terrible under the situation, under the circumstances. He responded to God. He responded to his word by not yielding, by not caving to what she was asking him to do. He refused to be present. In other words, he separated himself when the situation got hot and he separated himself. He sprinted. He got out of there and he was falsely accused for doing it, but he was within his rights. You might get lied upon. You might, someone may not tell the truth about you because you stood for what was right. Don't stop standing for what's right because somebody lying, because somebody come against you. Stand for what's right. If people would stand for what's right, there would be a lot of the impact. The results of the impact would be much different than what it is. It would be, whether it doesn't matter, title, it doesn't matter if you if you the minister, if you do what, if you don't stand for what's right, you will impact the family. Uh, whether you're not the minister, wait, maybe you are a person that is just listening. If you don't do what's right on the job, there's going to be an impact. If you don't do what's right in private, there's going to be an impact. When you're around other people, if you don't do what's right, there's going to be an impact. And that impact cascades. It affects someone else. It affects someone that looks at you and have respect for you. Sometime, bless your Lord God, 
that when you think about that what I'm going to do is going to impact my son, is going to impact my daughter, don't do it. Don't give yourself permission. David said, Lord, keep thy servant from presumptuous sins. If David, David learned a valuable lesson after going through some bone breaking and hardships and different, he learned a lesson. But it, had, it started someplace when David should have been on the battlefield. He stayed at home and he looked out and saw Uriah's wife. He continued to glaze at her as she was taking a bath. He soon sent for her. And as a result, he committed murder, caused the death of a child, and he suffered many other unforeseen events. Now, we went through the book of, of, of Samuel, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, and we talked about these things. It was terrible. David, children and death, how they, when it came against him and how they uh, caused a rebellion, it was terrible. The lives that was lost, all because, and, and you know, he even actually, he it provoked God to, to want to take his life. Because of what he did, you know, uh, the prophet Nate, uh, went to David and said, David, you know, I'm going to give you a story. You know, sometimes we, we have to have it in a story form because we don't want to. God has wisdom. And so God spoke with David in a, in, a, uh, 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 in a story and said there was a rich man that had many lambs. And there was a poor man that had one. And so a visitor came to visit the rich man and the rich man sent down, took the one lamb that the poor man had, who he treated like a daughter, slept in the same, ate at the table, just treated that, uh, took that lamb and slayed it and fed it to his guests. David was furious and said, I'll kill the man. You know, who is this man? And the prophet said, you're the man. And then he realized that what he had done was detestable in the sight of God. And God sent a message back to him of how his life, the things that he is going to impact his life, the action had a reaction. So we need to be careful with that. Like the children of Israel, David and so many others did not see and did not acknowledge the problem. You know, there is an unforeseen threat excuse me, an un, uh, a threat that we just don't see, that we don't think about because it's invisible. If it was as large as a, a lion running down the street or, you know, or, or, uh, or uh, Godzilla, you know, or anything that's coming to imagination, whatever your imagination is that, you know, that identifies that, that threat, if it was that visible, we would run for our lives. But because it's invisible, we don't run because it's invisible. We don't move. We just think that it's okay. You know, the elephant that's in the room and that we just ignore and just don't, you know, uh, uh, just try to walk around it instead of saying, you know, if there's an elephant in the room, let, let's deal with this. It needs to be dealt with. As maturing people, we have to just learn to deal with it so that it can be removed. Amen. Bless your Lord God. The actions, the actions have reactions. What can we do with that? The actions. Bless your Lord God. The actions, the actions that's going on in our lives, the actions of, of people all around us, the actions are actions. That's the most important action. It doesn't, you can't control what no one else do, but you certainly can control what you do. Bless your Lord. I want to encourage you to, to pray. I want to encourage you to seek God's face. I want to encourage you to just uh, be all that you can be in the Lord. You know, there's a song that says, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. We used to sing that song and, and just love singing it and just seeking God and just knowing uh, who he is and, and what he is and what he is doing uh, for us. And so we need to continue to, to do that and to just make sure that our lives, it's so important that our lives line up with God. Bless you, Jesus.
our lives, your life. Again, this is Pastor Carl. Pastor Carl Henderson with Cornerstone. And we just want to continue to pray. And you know why this, 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 uh, the, the music is playing? You know, just take a moment right now throughout this, this song and just meditate on the Lord for a moment. Just talk to him. He knows you, it's you. He knows your name. And because he knows your name, talk with him. The Lord is waiting for a conversation. Conversation with you, conversation with me. Let him know he's your hero. Athletes aren't heroes, they're doing a job. But God is the one that saves us. And because he saved us, made the ultimate sacrifice for us, the sacrifice that nobody else would make, let's worship and talk to him. Bless you, Jesus. want to acknowledge that. Lord, speak to our hearts, Lord. Lead us and guide us, Lord God, in your path of righteousness. For your name's sake, Lord, we'll follow you. Lord Jesus, we'll bless you. We'll be obedient to your word. Lord God, we just want to be the person, the individual, the group, the people that you're calling for in these last days, Lord. Remember, Lord, those that are sick in their body. Touch those, Lord God, that are uh, in hospitals right now that are seeking you, Lord God, that are worshiping you. And, Lord God, those, oh Lord, that are in their homes doing the same, Lord God. And, Lord Jesus, and we just pray and ask that you would touch those, Lord God, that are, whether that work, Lord Jesus, are first responders, and, Lord Jesus, and those that are, living and seeking your righteousness lord we just pray and ask that you would bless them lord strengthen them watch over and keep them lord lord and we know that the the blessing that you came to give the your people is that our sins would be blotted out lord that our names would be reserved in, in the book of life lord god and that's what we pray for we're not praying for substance we're not praying for things we know that's needed and, and you know how to bless us with that but the most important is the relationship with you. And that's what we desire and that's what we're seeking after. You'll give us the wisdom. You'll give us the knowledge and understanding how to obtain the things that we need. And Lord, as we live this temporary assignment, we just want to thank you. We just want to bless you, Lord God. We just want to exalt you above everything. Lord Jesus, if we have offended you in any way, we just want to ask your forgiveness. We just want to ask for your mercy of things that we didn't think about, things that we didn't ask forgiveness for, things that we just ignored, went on our way. But Lord God, we thank you for an opportunity today. We thank you for this moment, Lord God, where we can just think about you and Lord God, and just love on you, Lord Jesus, as you have loved us. You loved us enough to wake us up this morning, to give us the activity of our limbs, Lord God, to bless us, oh Lord God, with Lord Jesus, with a mind, Lord Jesus, and just to thank you right now, Father, we just thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you because you do know our name, you know our, where we are. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We just bless you, Lord God, Lord Jesus, and, and we bless you for, for our families, Lord Jesus, our children, Lord, our husbands, wives. We just thank you, Lord God, for for delivering us from things that we needed deliverance from. Lord, whether it was internal, uh, Lord Jesus impacting our external, emotional, our mental, Lord addiction. We just thank you right now, Lord God, for blessing us to be free, 
for working, for being patient with us and walking us through deliverance, Lord God, and those that have helped us, Lord Jesus, the, the ministers, oh Lord God, and friends and family and those that have patiently worked with us, oh Lord God, to bring us into the place where we are today. Lord Jesus, and we're yet continuing to seek you, Lord God, to go to higher heights and deeper depths in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord Jesus. God bless you. We'll be back Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Be blessed.